Listen, I have one thing to say about to say to Christians who try to draw ethnic boundaries in the church. Listen, if you try to draw ethnic boundaries in the church and dispel those people that are not the same color as you or are not the same financial status as you or is not the same philosophical mindset as you, you are trying to draw the same boundaries that the Jews tried to draw. And if they would have been successful, you would have never heard the gospel. This is the Divine Truth Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. This podcast is for the purpose of teaching God's people through the verse-by-verse exposition live from the pulpit of Emmanuel Baptist Church. We pray that the Word of God richly blesses you as you hear it proclaimed. Throughout human history, there have always been groups that have believed that they are in some way, shape, or form better than other groups. We saw that in the war amongst the states. We saw that in Nazi Germany, where they, where they believed that the Aryan group of race were, were better than the Jewish people and everybody else, for that matter. And unfortunately, we see that attitude in the church today. And disunity is caused because we believe so much of the time that one's thoughts and one's person is inferior to your own. And what ultimately suffers for disunity in the church, what ultimately suffers, folks, is the gospel. That's what suffers. Because a disunified church is not going to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with any effectiveness. Disunity among His people has always been a special heartache to God. In fact, in His intercessory prayer for His people, Jesus prayed three times that we would be unified. For example, in John chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus said this, now, now, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thy name thine own people, whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And in verse 21 of the same chapter, Jesus says, that they may all be what? One. Now, this is not an ecumenical call for theological diversity. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not calling on His church to be ecumenical. Meaning this, Jesus Christ is not calling on His church to embrace and accept every theology that is taught in pulpits today. You know this church, folks, very well if you've been here any length of time. And that is this, there is correct theology and there is incorrect theology. There is theology that is biblical and there is theology that is unbiblical. And this is not a call on Jesus Christ to be ecumenical and receive everybody's bad theology. 
but it is a call on for, by Jesus Christ to the Father that His people who have been called out of darkness into light by His name would be unified in their purpose of spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ will never effectively spread the gospel when there is disunity in the church. And folks, listen, Jesus said also in verse 22, he says, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be what, church? One, even as we are one. Notice what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is what? One, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into what? One body whether they be Jews or Gentiles, whether they be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Listen, folks, there is absolutely no place in the gospel of Jesus Christ for social, ethnic, or financial discrimination. Jesus' call for his people is that they would be one, as he and the Father are one. But folks, let me hasten to add this as well. The social justice gospel is as bad as unbiblical as evolution. The gospel has nothing to do with ethnicity. Because Jesus Christ said, we are to take the gospel to all creatures. Mark 16, Matthew 28, Acts 1. We are to take the gospel to all, all the nations, all the world. And the Greek word there for world there is ethnos, where we get our English word ethnic. The gospel of Jesus Christ crosses ethnic and social and financial boundaries. And listen, we don't apologize as part of the gospel. That's not part of the gospel. Because the gospel has nothing to do with ethnicity. The gospel has nothing to do with your financial background. The gospel has nothing to do with your social background. The gospel has to do with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ called on His church to be one. And just as, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, just as the physical body must operate in unity in order to operate effectively, so must the church operate in unity in order to operate effectively. And one part of the physical, when one part of the physical body works in disunity, it makes for a painful experience to the rest of the physical body, doesn't it? Every morning when I get up, I have a part of my physical body that doesn't want to operate well, and it causes pain to every other part of my physical body. Now, I did that to myself when I was a teenager. You know, when you're 185 pounds, Garrett, and you throw yourself in front of the 325-pound linebacker just to score a touchdown, you don't think that one day you're going to be 50. Of course, praise God, I'm not 50 yet. I'm still, I, I'm still, I'm still under it. And when one part of the church, just like your physical body, when one part of the church is operating in disunity, it makes for a painful church experience. The Apostle Paul lays out for us in this text three points of how we are to be unified or reconciled together. 
It is unfortunate, folks, that in a lot of churches, that there is disunity in the church among ethnic boundaries. There's disunity in the church amongst social boundaries, financial boundaries, philosophical boundaries. But God calls on His church, Jesus Christ calls on His church to be unified. Did you know, and unfortunately you may painfully know this, but did you know that as I look across the congregation this morning, as I look at some of you, did you know that there are churches that I know of that some of you would not be welcome in that church? Some of you would not be welcome in that church of churches that I know because of your ethnicity, because of your social background, because of your financial background, or because of your philosophical background. There is no place in God's kingdom for ethnic, social, financial, or philosophical diversity, disunity, and discrepancies. There is no place for it. God calls on His church to be a unified church. And the Apostle Paul lays his arguments out for us about three actions, three things that the church needs to do. Number one, remember our former state. How do we become uni- how do we become a unified church? And how do we maintain unity in the church by remembering our former state? Paul begins verse 11 with a very familiar conjunction. Look at it with me. Wherefore? Stop right there. And of course, you, we know that that word wherefore or therefore, whichever it may be, points back to things that have been previously stated. Because, for example, this is what Paul is saying, because you have been saved by grace through faith, verses 8 and 9. Because you were dead in your sins, verse 1. Because he is the one that raised you up from spiritual death to spiritual life, verse 6. Because he is the one who is rich in mercy towards you who hated him, verse 4. Because we are the product that of his work that he ordained before the world began, verse 10. And all of that points, folks, to this one common message that redemption our salvation is not of us. That every part of the redemptive work is Christ and is completed by His perfect atonement. That if it were left up to us, we would remain in our deadness because of our love for sin. Even, listen church, even if God... I've heard people say, in fact, I, I read somebody said this this week on social media, that if God would give my family members an opportunity to come back from hell or Hades and hear the gospel, they would accept him. Listen, church, to me clearly, that even if God emptied Hades of all condemned souls and placed them back on earth, they would still remain in their spiritual deadness because, and they would go back into eternal torment because left to themselves, they love their sin they love darkness and even if they were resurrected from hell they and given new life they love their sin but so much they love their darkness so much that they would still die and go to hell all over again because they hate god that much left to themselves you said pastor is there a biblical reference for that yeah remember the rich man lazarus in luke 16 the rich man wanted abraham to send lazarus back he says because i got five brothers send lazarus back and what did abraham say it's not going to do any good. It's not going to do any good. 
If they won't hear the prophets, then they won't hear somebody that comes back from the dead. Jesus said in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil, what? Hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Why? So that his deeds will not be reproved or exposed. And all of this is to say, as Paul uses the word wherefore, none of this grace, church, is by your doing. And when you and I are discussing unity in the body of Christ, the church, it's always good to remember where you came from. And that where you are now has nothing to do with you. Where we are in grace this morning, July 9th, 2023, where we are in grace right now has absolutely nothing to do with us. And because of all that is true, Paul called on the church to do this. Look at verse 11 again. Wherefore remember, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Remember what? That ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. You know, the disunity that, that existed in the Ephesian church was mainly between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this unity was not based upon personal preferences. This disunity was not even based, church, on key doctrinal differences. This disunity that existed in the church at Ephesus and, and exists in so many churches today is based on ethnicity. Let me remind you that what Christ said about ethnic backgrounds and what Paul actually said in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of what? Another. You see that? Next time we try to unscripturally draw these ethnic backgrounds, these ethnic boundaries, let us be reminded of what Paul said in Romans 12, 5, that as, as members of the church, the body of Christ, we are members one of another. And Paul later reminds those Jews and the Gentiles in the church in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, Get this, that the Gentiles, the Jews hated this, but that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Listen, I have one thing to say about say to Christians who try to draw, draw ethnic boundaries in the church. Listen, if you try to draw ethnic boundaries in the church and dispel those people that are not the same color as you or are not the same financial status as you or is not the same philosophical mindset as you, you are trying to draw the same boundaries that the Jews tried to draw and if they would have been successful, you would have never heard the gospel. So think about that next time we try to draw ethnic boundaries. Remember where you came from, Paul says in Ephesians 2.11. Remember how the Jews treated you, Gentiles. Remember that? They called you the uncircumcision, which was a name of, which is a, a defamed name. They called you the uncircumcision. In Christ, church, 
All differences are set aside in favor of a common unity in Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, For ye are all... What kind of church is Paul writing to? Paul is writing to an ethnic mixed church. He says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. And let me add this, church. There is neither black nor white, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, there is not Jew nor Greek. We are absolutely one body in Christ. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. The church unity is not organizational. Church unity is not ethnic. Church unity is spiritual. And this passage emphasizes this unity that must exist in the body. That's why Paul uses words like, for example, in chapter 2, verse 14, both are one. In chapter 2, verse 15, one new man. In chapter 2, verse 16, one body. In verse 14, 16, and 18, he uses the word both. And in verses 21 to 22, he uses the word together. Folks, it is unfortunate indeed that believers who come from differing ethnic and financial and philosophical backgrounds are often never assimilated existing in the same church together. One of the areas that Emmanuel prides herself in is that we do not have ethnic boundaries here. We do not have social backgrounds or boundaries here. We do not have financial boundaries here. White, black, Jew, Gentile, bond, free, rich, or poor are all welcome. Are all welcome. Let me add this, just for clarification, Brother Blue, let me add this. But we will not accept your LGBTQ agenda. We will not accept your sin. We will accept your ethnicity, but we will pray by the grace of God, He changes your life. We pride ourselves as a church of having our doors open to all ethnicities, but we do not accept sin in this church. We do not accept sinful lifestyles in this church that the Word of God clearly, very clearly, judges. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is open to all, and therefore so is Emmanuel Baptist Church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in their glory. Now notice with me that word in verse 16, the word Gentiles. That is, or, the, or, some, or it could also be translated nations. It is the word ethnos, where we get our English word ethnics. What did Jesus, what did Paul say? The unifying church is a church that preaches the gospel to all ethnicities. 
Paul had to dispel, in this section of Ephesians, he had to dispel any notion of ethnic favoritism with God. Now, God sovereignly chose the Jews to be a special people, didn't he? Amos chapter 3, verse 2, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now, it did not, did, that does not mean that God only knew the nation of Israel, that he did not know the Hivites or the Pezzarites or the Egyptians or the Jebusites. He knew them too. But what Amos is saying, or what God is saying through Amos, is that only you have I known in a special love relationship. God chose the Jews not only to receive his special blessing, but also to be the channel of which those blessings would be given to others. That was God's plan all the way back to the, to the patriarch Abraham. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, God says this to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Israel was called to be a vessel through which the knowledge of God would be spread to the entire world. But unfortunately, Israel never fulfilled that calling. As our verse indicates for us, they would rather condemn the Gentiles instead of witnessing to them. One rabbinic writer tells this account. A Gentile woman came to Rabbi Eliezer, confessed that she was sinful and told him she wanted to become righteous. She wanted to be accepted into the Jewish faith because she had heard that the Jews were nearer to God. And the account goes like this, that the rabbi looked at her and said, No, you cannot come near and shut the door in her face. The Jews, remember, did not tolerate the Samaritans because they were not a pure Jewish race. They were the product of intermarrying of the Jews with the pagans during the captivity. And our text says that the Jews referred to the Gentiles as the uncircumcision. And that is a word that is intended to be words of ridicule, a word of disdain. Words that they used to show the Gentiles that they believed themselves to be more valuable in the sight of God than they were. And Paul is reminding these Jew, these Gentile believers, as well as the Jews, that grace has nothing to do with ethnic backgrounds, but has all to do with sovereign grace. The Apostle Peter had the same attitude of disdain. Even Peter, big mouth Peter, had the same attitude of disdain toward Gentiles. Remember in Acts chapter 10, in verses 9 to 16, Peter and some of the other men were going to Joppa because of a vision that the Lord had given Cornelius. And as they approached the city, Peter was a good Baptist, he became hungry. And as the preparations for food were being made, the Bible says in that text that Peter fell into a trance. And in that trance, he had a vision of all kinds of animals. And by the way, some of those animals that Peter had a vision of were animals that the Jews were not allowed by God's original law to eat. And notice what God told Peter in chapter 10, verse 13. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's response tells the depths of his discrimination. Because the animals that God was telling Peter to eat was the animals that only the filthy Gentiles ate. And look at Peter's response in verse 14. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I am not going to eat the same food as those filthy, reprobate Gentiles. This is Peter, the man who preached a great sermon at Pentecost. The, the leader of the 12 apostles. He says, I am not going to eat the same food as those filthy, nasty, maggot-infected Gentiles. 
One rabbi referred to Gentiles as maggot-infested race of people. There's a lot of discrimination going on here, isn't it? Notice what God told back to Peter in verse 15. What God hath cleansed, you shall not call common. Peter, what I've said is holy. How dare you try to say it's not. If I want to bring somebody into my grace that's poorer than you, how dare you say that it's wrong. If I want to bring somebody into my family that has a different mindset than you, how dare you say that it's wrong? If I want to bring somebody into my family and into my church that's a different color than you, how dare you say that it's wrong? Jesus, Paul, basically says, listen, how do you, how do you maintain unity in the church? By remembering your former state. Remember where you came from. Remember as a Gentile, remember, I don't know that there are any Jews with us this, this morning, but remember as a Gentile how... You were treated, the Ephesian believers. And God used that as a teaching time for Peter. And later he said to Cornelius in verse 28, and he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto a, one of another nation. But God, we talked about those but God moments a couple weeks ago, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's pretty clear, isn't it, folks? That's pretty clear to me what God is telling to tell, trying to teach us. But this is not the only time Peter did this. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and 14, I'm not going to show it to you on the screen because of the lack of time. But Peter was hanging around with the Gentiles there in the book of Galatians. And Peter was having fellowship, having dinner, having a wonderful time with the Gentiles until the Jews showed up. And when the Jews showed up, Peter began to disdain the Gentiles. And what was Paul's reaction? Paul said, I got in his face about it. And I said, you, Peter, are wrong to treat people less than you. You are wrong. God commanded his people in Mark chapter 16. I got the wrong verse there. It's supposed to be verse 15 there, Wichita. But God commands us in Mark 16, 15 to go into all the nations, all the ethnos, all the ethnics, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach what? All ethnicities, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that, ye have, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria of all places. That was a real problem for Jesus to tell that to a bunch of Jews, that you should be a witness to me in Samaria and unto the othermost part of the earth. Let me just make this, let me just make this discrimination local. Can I do that for a second? You would probably be amazed and despair at how many people that I know that refuses to take the gospel to 605 Trailer Park. I'm not going in there. I'm not going in there. I'm not going in there. It's always been, church, God's plan to extend love, grace, and forgiveness to people no matter their ethnic or social backgrounds. That's always been God's plan. Now, when God did give these Jews certain dietary, clothing, marriage, uh, other ceremonial and other laws that, that could, not, could never easily fit into another society, 
Those social distinctions, folks, were only to be intended to be used as a tool for witnessing. That those who belong to God think differently, act differently, and look differently. That's the point. God gave Israel dietary laws so that they would act differently. God gave them clothing laws so that they would look differently. And God gave them other ceremonial laws so that they would act differently. And God said, Israel, you take those laws and you give them to the Gentiles so that they that come to me, they will look, act, and think differently. But Israel continually perverted them into a source of pride, isolation, and self-giving. Later in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul reminded these Ephesian believers that just like the Jews who were to walk differently, so were the Gentiles to walk differently. In chapter 4, verse 17, there, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth know, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. But the Gentiles today that are part of the church need to be careful that the special calling that we've received is not a cause for pride on our parts either. Jonah typified the common Jewish attitude toward Gentiles. Remember when God called Jonah to go as the prophet to preach the gospel to the wicked city of Nineveh. What did Jonah do? Jonah fled in the opposite direction. He finally obeyed and saw the whole city repent. And when Jonah saw the whole city repent, it says in Jonah chapter 4 verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry this prophet of God was sad and mad at God because he dared extend grace to these heathen Gentiles. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish. For Get this, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. People, Jonah says, I knew if I came here you'd save them. So that's why I didn't want to come. I knew what you would do. I knew that you're a God of grace. That's why I didn't want to save them. You're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentance thee of the evil. And later on in that passage, Jonah got so full of anxiety, he just later said, God, would you just kill me? I can't take this grace. I can't take this love and this mercy that you've shown these heathen people. Would you just please kill me so I don't have to see them repent? Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is calling for unity in the body. Gentiles, yes, have been victims of Jewish hatred. And Jews have been victims of Gentile hatred. Whites have been victims of black hatred. Blacks have been victims of white hatred. I had one man tell me, and I wasn't there, so I can't even, folks, I can't even pretend to know what he felt. But I had a man tell me years and years ago who fought in the war, World War II. He looked at me and he said, let me tell you something, preacher. He said, I would rather watch a Japanese man burn in hell than give him the gospel because of what he did to my people during the war. Now, folks, listen, I wasn't there. I can't even begin to believe, to understand how he feels. But I know that what he, how he felt is not biblical. Because the problem is, is that, is that Japanese boy or girl that he would rather see burn in hell versus giving the gospel had nothing to do with the torture that he put 
his American friends through. And I'll equally say this, that the atrocities committed by the Japanese on the Americans during World War II is nothing in comparison to the atrocities that we have committed against God. So when you get a little balanced in our view, Paul calls for unity. And Paul calls them to remember. Remember, Gentiles, that you were disdained. Remember the state that you were in. Remember them. Remember what they called you before Christ. And because Gentiles did not have the physical mark of circumcision to set them apart as the people of God, the term uncircumcision was used as a term of derision, a term of defamation, a term of reproach. But notice how Paul carried some disdain for the Jewish attitude. Look what he says in verse 11 again. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are, who are called, the literature in the Greek says, who are the so-called uncircumcision by that which is so-called the circumcision, get this, only made by hands. Paul takes exception to the Jewish mindset by emphasizing that your circumcision that you pride yourself in is only external. It doesn't do anything in the heart. And get this, he says in the verse 11, it's only performed by hands. It's not a heart surgery performed by God. Circumcision had never been a mark of a personal relationship to God, whether you were a Jew or Gentile or anybody else. Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is the outward of the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one what, church? Inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. In Romans chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, Paul points out that Abraham was justified by faith and not by circumcision. The issue that separated these two groups and that made the Jews feel superior was a purely physical distinction. But there was so much a greater distinction than that which is spiritual. Look at verse 12. But not only do I want you to remember what the Gentiles called you, these so-called circumcision, which was only a circumcision made by hands, but I also want you to remember this, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers for the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You know, folks, listen, it is certainly difficult to not have unity or by by having superior thoughts, understanding where you came from. It is certainly difficult to have a unified church if you think yourself to be something when you are nothing, the Bible says. But when you and I remember where we came from, before Christ came, the Jews were the people of promise from God, and the Gentiles were completely cut off. That's what the Paul says in verse 12. Ye were without Christ. We had no messianic hope. We had no Savior. We had no Deliverer. And their history, therefore the Gentiles' history, had no purpose, no plan, no destiny, except for ultimate divine judgment. But not only were we without Christ, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. God made His chosen people a theocracy, a nation whose God was the King and Lord. And He gave them a special blessing. He gave them a special protection. He gave them a special covenant, special law, special promise, special priesthood, special guidance. And that He gave that to none of the Gentiles. But if the Gentiles would have only received it, they would have received the same promises. But in our fleshly state, Paul says, I want you to remember 
that you were without Christ at one point. When you try to draw these ethnic boundaries, these social boundaries, these philosophical boundaries, I want you to remember that you were at one time alienated from God. You at one time were without Christ. But not only without Christ, but also not only alienated, but strangers from the covenants and of the promise. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God made all these covenants with Israel. But not only that, but he also says we have no hope. True hope, church, is only based on true promises, isn't it? And since the Gentiles had no true promises, they had no true hope. Paul says, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember when you try to draw these ethnic boundaries and think that you're better than somebody else because of the color of their skin or because of their social status or their financial status, whatever it may be, I want you to remember that you at one time were without Christ, too. You at one time were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You had no promises. You were without hope. You were without hope, too. And if we are without hope, that makes life and the future meaningless, folks. If our hope is not in Christ. Hope is the consummation of life. The the confident assurance that we are blessed in the future plan of God. Job said in Job 7 verse 6, My days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. The psalmist said in Psalm 146 verse 5, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. The Jews had all these promises. The Gentiles had none. And Paul says, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. The Greek philosopher Dionyges said this. He says, quote, I rejoice in sport in my youth. Long enough will I lie beneath the earth, bereft of life, voiceless as a stone, and shall leave the sunlight which I love. Good man though I am, then shall I see nothing more. Rejoice, O my soul, in thy youth. What was he saying? Well, I need to be happy when I'm alive because after I'm dead, I've got nothing because he had no hope. Paul says, I want you to remember that. When you try to draw these boundaries and think you're better than somebody else physically, socially, economically, I want you to remember where you used to be. Folks, listen, the best way, the number one way to maintain unity in the church is to remember where you used to be. To remember the sinner you used to be. To remember how without hope you used to be. And before you and I try to draw these ethnic, these social, these economical boundaries, remember, you had a life one time without God. You had a life one time without the promises. The problem with the Jews is not that they didn't, the Gentiles is not that they did not have God, but that they had the wrong God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says this, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. God's purpose in calling the Jews as a holy people was to send them as his missionaries to the Gentiles, to call all nations back to himself in love and grace. But the Jews were no more faithful to their greater light as the Gentiles were to their lesser light. And sadly, many believers are not faithful to their their even greater light that you and I have. But we have no such cause, folks, to to ever think that we are greater than anyone else. And Paul says, I want you to remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. The goal of the church is unity. And the best way to remember that unity 
is before we start drawing those lines ethnically, socially, and financially, remember your past. Paul says, remember where you came from. Remember your former state. Remember you were without Christ. You were at one time without God. The grace of God is open to all, but you one time were without, without God. Remember your former state. I want to tell you a story as we wrap this up this morning. I want to tell you a story. And, and listen, folks, and this, this message is from God's Word and is not meant to make anyone uncomfortable. But it's clearly what the Word of God teaches in these. We haven't even looked at the 13th verse yet, but it's clearly what the Word of God teaches in these three verses, that we need to remember our former state before we try to get these boundaries drawn in the, line, in the sand. And I want to tell you a story that I hope doesn't offend anybody because it's not meant to. When I was about 15 years of age, my father, uh, I, was a, I think I was getting ready to be a junior in high school, and my father was seeking a church to pastor. And uh, he, was putting, he was putting resumes all over, the, all over the state to try to find a church to pastor, and he got a call from a church in Stanton, Virginia. And we went there on a Sunday morning. I'll never forget it. It's a beautiful church, beautiful building, beautiful property. It literally, literally, you talk about Jesus said a city that's set on the hill cannot be hid. I mean, this church literally set on the hill, and you could overlook the entire city of Stanton. It was gorgeous. We went into the church. We're welcomed by the people. It's a small congregation of, you know, probably 20, 25 people. They had had some issues, and um, we walked into the church, was welcomed by everybody, and Dad preached uh, a sermon. Y'all have to excuse me. I don't remember if it was a good one or not, but uh, I, I just don't remember. Um, I'm sure it was. Um, but uh, one of the, the, the head of the pulpit committee came up to us after church and said, we're going to take you out to lunch. Very good. So we went to a steakhouse. He got a steak. And it's one of those steakhouses, Garrett, where you buy a steak and you get a super buffet. You remember the super bar. You, know, you get all this food. You, know, you, you gorge yourself like uh, Ponderosa used to be. Y'all remember that. Yeah, that was the best restaurant around and, 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 until an hour later. But anyway... Um, then an hour later, you were hating life. But anyway, we walked into this Ponderosa or Golden Corral or whatever it was there in the city of Stanton, and we were standing in line waiting to waiting to have our order have our orders taken. And the this guy that was head of the pulpit committee turned around and asked my father a couple of real quick off the cuff questions, and I guess Dad answered them to his satisfaction. And then the hammer fell. This man looked at my father and said to him, he says, brother, let me ask you a question. He says, if we call you to be a pastor of this church and a black family walks through the back door and wants to join this church, what will you do? This is an independent Baptist church in the city of Stanton. And my father said, I'd let them join. That's the biblical thing to do to which this, this head of this poll committee looked at my father and says, well, if you become the pastor here, we'll have none of it. They are not allowed here. To which my father said, then neither am I. Now, he went in and preached that night because he had given his word, so he went in and preached, and we left, and 
never looked back. Well, fast forward about three months later. I'm not going to tell you all the gory details because they don't really matter, but fast forward about three months later, I'm preaching at a camp meeting. You all see me preaching at a camp meeting. I'm preaching at a camp meeting. And, uh, and Brother Bob, when I was 15, I had a bigger mouth than I do now. If you can imagine that. But the only problem is, is that mouth was less tempered than it is now. Right was right, wrong is wrong, and if you were wrong, I was going to tell you that you were wrong. Well, when I was preaching at this camp meeting, I preached, and we were getting ready to go to lunch, and all, you know, all of us preachers were standing around as, as they normally do before we go into lunch, and I had gotten word that the former pastor of that church was at this camp meeting. And then I'd gotten word, or word that that's who he is. And guess what? This group of preachers that were standing around he was right across the he was right across the way from me. Well, I said, "This is of God." Oh, foolish boy! And I said, "Brother," and I called him by name, and I won't say his name for for the off chance that somebody in here might know him. But I said, "Brother," I said, "Let me ask you a question." And I told him what this head of the pulpit committee had told him, had told him, told my dad. He said, okay. I said, let me ask you a question. Again, I'm 15. I'm not tempered. So give me a little room here, right? I said, let me ask you a question. Did he come up with that stupidity on his own or did you teach it to him? I would probably handle that differently now. I certainly would handle it a little bit more differently now that I'm all grown up. He said, well, young man, he was sure to throw with that part in. Well, young man, he learned that from me. He says, because let me tell you something. He says, if you have a black family that joins your church and he wants to grow up and he wants to marry your white son, you started that. Church, I'm telling you, there is no boundary that should be drawn by the church when it comes to the gospel. That man that looked at my dad and told him that day said nothing to my dad about giving those people the gospel. Only thing he said, they're not welcome. And I have carried the memory of that meeting ever since that day. Because let me tell you something. There is not a race of people that are not welcome at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Black, white, Jew, Gentile, Chinese, Japanese, Haitian, whatever. Because as Christians, we are all one. In Christ. Paul says, you want to be disunified in the church? Take a look at where you used to be. Take a look at how, I want you to remember how you were treated with prejudice. 
Everybody in this worship center today has been treated in your lifetime with some kind of prejudice. It may not have been because of the color of your skin, but it may have been because you talk with a lisp. It may have been because you were in a class that wasn't advanced as other people were. It may have been because you were short, or it may have been because of you were called, as you say, freakishly tall. It may have been because you were poor. may have been because you could, your mom and dad couldn't afford the best clothes, the brand name clothes. It may have been because the only thing that your mama could afford to do was to make your clothes, and she wasn't very good at that. Paul says, how do you, have, how do you start unity in the church? Remember your former state. Remember from what God saved you. You and I will remember from what God saved us, then it makes unity easier. Thank you for listening to Divine Truth Podcast. We pray that the Word of God has been a spiritual blessing to your soul. For more information about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ebcmineral.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Our Lord's Day services are 10 and 11 a.m. as well as 6.30 p.m. We also have a Wednesday service at 6.30 p.m. We here at Emmanuel Baptist Church pray that the message of God's divine truth would always go from the cross, through the church, to the world, until Christ come. God bless you.